This week's episode is brought to you by Needham Woodworks, Eschatonic Modular, After Later Audio's Heritage Line, and listeners like you. If you would like to keep the LEDs blinking over here at Podular Modcast, please head to patreon.com forward slash Podular Modcast. And I just want to take a moment really quick. Um, a lot of people have been coming to me asking me about getting into Modular. What should I get? Um, I'm telling you, the Heritage line from After Later Audio is an excellent place to start. So if you know buddy, if you know buddy, if you know somebody who's asking you similar questions or if you're in this position yourself, please head over to afterlateraudio.com and check out the the Envy, the Filthy and the Bosque oscillator and there's more coming this summer and I'm really excited about them. Before we dive into this episode, let me tell you a little something about our local synth shop here in Seattle, Patchworks. One, they have a new and improved website at p-a-t-c-h-w-e-r-k-s dot com. They're also having a customer appreciation sale, 10% off most items using the code THANKYOU2020 through the end of May. Lots of new products from Electron, Novation, WMD, 4MS, Moog, as well as restocks from major brands like IntelliGel and Mutable Instruments. Now, I know what you're thinking. It can't get any better than that. Well, hold on to your britches. Um, fast and free shipping to all U.S. addresses, and they're open for curbside pickup daily from 12 to 6 p.m., except holidays. So uh, if you're in the Seattle area, why don't you go down for that curbside pickup and have a nice, responsible, socially distanced conversation with Tom or Cindy. They're two of my favorite people here in the city. So uh, yeah, get some socialization and some synthesizer stuff. Head over to patchworks.com, P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com. Thank you, 2020 at checkout for 10% off most items. Hello and welcome to another episode of Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held, and I am especially excited about today's episode because it is with my friend Madeline Kokolis. Now, what's odd about our friendship is we've only, up until this conversation, we had only chatted through Messenger and email. Um, I released two of her uh, EPs on my record label, Self Center Records, a few years back, and uh, I'm just a huge fan. Her album, Cascadia, is one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, so it's it's weird. It, I get to talk to one of my favorite artists who's also my friend, but I'm talking to for the first time. So yeah, it's a, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what, what else to say about that other than it's really weird and really cool. And uh, yeah, we have an, a fantastic talk. And we're going to get into that in a moment. But first, I have to say I'm uh, really, really, really excited about uh, people starting to get to work on the, uh, the open source stems from my Stephanie's synthesizer album. Um, there will be a link in the description here for this episode if you want to get some of those files and collaborate with me. Um, I'm starting to get people sending sending them in. And uh, the Discord server, again, has been awesome. So please come join us on the Discord server. There's a invite link in my Instagram link tree. And uh, a lot of people are getting in on the uh, weekly patch challenges. And I am still working on a bonus episode containing a bunch of uh, your patches. So if you want to in on that, get to work. It's something I want to try to do at least once a month. Um, it's just a cool way to interact with everybody. 
And speaking of Stephanie's synthesizer, you can get it on Bandcamp, timheld.bandcamp.com. And the story of that is, in a nutshell, I was borrowing a friend's synth for a long time, wasn't using it, she wanted it back. Before I gave it back to her, I used it all day and then decided, oh crap, I actually do really want uh, a non-modular synthesizer. And then it went away that day. So I had been... uh, looking around for a new synth and i took advantage of patchworks's um patchworks's how do you pluralize patchworks's i took advantage of their curbside pickup and i got myself a korg wave state and i used their uh their discount code which took care of the tax which is really cool so uh hopefully get some cool sounds coming your way from that pretty soon what else is going on i tried to make mustard um, my friend Steven, the guy who makes pipe organs, I've talked to him, I've talked about him quite a bit on the show. He made some mustard a while ago, and, and I was just like, he said it was really easy, and he gave me the recipe, and, and I tried it, and I made three big batches uh, with a bunch of different stuff, and um, something about mine, it is way, way too spicy to eat. Like, not, not fun spicy, like, ow, my gut hurts spicy so if anybody has any tips on how i can tame the mustard let me know um it was very fun making it though um what else is going on my sister just finished 2001 a space odyssey um well let me let me backtrack a little bit hannah and i first bonded over 2001 a space odyssey because it's my favorite book and that's what she was reading when we met so it was kind of this uh this cool little thing for us to to get our initial conversation started with and then my sister was reading it so um you know she wanted to talk to me about it because she knows the backstory and everything and she had a really really interesting take on the end and i was like oh shit uh, my sister is really smart which really shouldn't surprise me because she's a teacher and she loves reading. She's a real lit head. Is that what they call people who love literature? Lit heads? Anyways, I want to share with you this message she sent me because uh, I found it really interesting. She said, I finished the book and I have thoughts. Bowman entered the monolith, which reminded me of the creation of a fetus in the womb. It was like he was the sperm trying to attach himself to the egg so he could fully develop. Upon entering the hotel room, he had finally attached himself to the uterine wall. He then developed into the being he needed to be by getting rid of all human experiences or teaching. He became the ultimate being or God. Am I on drugs or am I on the right track? And I was, I was kind of taken aback, you know, because like, I, don't, I, I, I haven't gotten that deep with my sister, um, you know. I love her to death, you know, so it was just really cool for her to send such a, like a, a really cool hot take on one of my favorite books. And, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to being able to hang out with her again because, uh, we're, we're going to go deep into, into the weirdness of 2001 a space odyssey. And if you haven't read it, I didn't spoil that, that there's plenty to the book. Um, if I, if anything that should intrigue you, if you haven't read it, it's such a fantastic book. I also want to let you all know that uh, I got the Ensemble Oscillator from 4MS and holy moly, do people still say holy moly? I was going to say holy shit, but then I wonder if I should stop cussing on the podcast because maybe you don't like it. But then there's a part of me that's like, well, if you don't like it, well, then you can fuck off. But that's like a totally shitty part of my personality. Um, but also, like, cussing is a part of my personality, and I don't think it's that bad. And no one has said anything. Any, and, and now I'm just spinning out while talking to you, and this is really something that I should figure out on my own. But anyways, this thing is the shit. Um, it kind of reminds me of... 
Like, a, if, if you took the spectral multiband resonator and the telharmonic and smashed them together. Um, but it also has the ability to make, like, the craziest, harshest doom noise. And um, I want to tell you to please go to YouTube and watch... I made a short film about it. Rather than a demo video, I made a short film, and then I scored that short film with the Ensemble Oscillator. And uh, I think it's some of my best work yet. I'm, I'm very proud of it, and I think it's really ridiculous. And if you're wondering, yes, the neck brace is back. Um, so yeah, please head over to my YouTube channel to check that out. Um, I'm going to just play a little some of the sounds that you can make with this with this thing really quick before we get into this chat with Madeline Kokolos because this thing does so much and I have like I'm still at the I'm still exploring it. I haven't even cracked over the manual. I see the manual sitting over there and I'm like I should look at that, but I'm still like finding so much joy and 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 uh, exploration, you know, avenues to go down just messing with it straight out of the box that I'm going to continue to do that until uh until I really want to know, like, because there's some things on here I'm just like, I don't know what that does yet, but uh, I'm going to wrap my head around it a little bit first. Um, anyways, I've rambled a lot in this intro. Um, I hope you're doing all right. It's a weird time in the world. We're, uh, I think we're getting quarantine fatigue. Definitely feeling a little kooky. Uh, feeling a little cooped up. Hopefully the end is near. Um, the pandemic, I mean, not not humanity. But I mean, if that's the way it has to go, then, um, you know, to live till you die is to live long enough, as Lao Tzu said. Anyways, let's listen to some ensemble oscillator sounds. Okay, let's get to know this ensemble oscillator right now. It's what you hear droning behind me. Um, and I'm using both the outputs, so stereo outputs and their hard pan left and right. Um, you're mostly hearing low and low mid frequencies right now, so that stereo spread's not going to be as uh, prominent. But let's, let's 16 oscillators in this thing. So let's just spread these out through the spread knob. So I'm just manually turning this right now. So it's all the way up and then all the way down right now I have it tuned so low that you can't really hear them but but as you can as you can tell you can go super you can get super low and super high frequencies out of this thing I mean that's with everything all the way up it's so high we can't even hear it so <laughs> oh, it's like like I said a few minutes ago, like I haven't even like messed with the manual or tried to learn how to use it because just playing with the knobs is super fun. Um, so let's see here. Let's, let's get. Ooh, there we go. Kind of church organy. Um, you can change the scales. The two sounds you can balance those out. And then there's there's you know the twist knob. And there's a warp knob, and each one of those has a, a three a three position switch. So let's just turn the twist half, halfway up, crush, pulsar, and ramp. And then there's this warp knob. Uh, again, another three position switch segment, cheb, and fold. 
So you can already hear like massive amounts of um, variation. And everything I just talked about is CV controllable. We have this cross FM. So if we turn that all the way to the right, the, the warp all the way to the right, the twist all the way to the right, we can get some pretty... And the, the FM knob also has a three-position switch. It sounds like a like a um, an in really intense fire. So we just went from church organ to intense fire uh, in a matter of moments. So, um, yeah, amazing sounds. Let's just let's get it let's get it sounding pretty here really quick. And then there's, you know, this spread knob that controls the 16 oscillators. So, to be honest, I haven't even really... I don't think I've actually used it in the way... <laughs> like, the way they intended people to use it. Um, because, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of... It, as you can hear, it's a, a chord machine. And there's two uh, one-volt per octaves in for the pitch and the root note. Um... And there's all these scales, so I just I'm just finding so much, so much, uh, so many cool sounds just by turning this like the spread knob with a twist and warp knobs. This is all manual. I'm not I'm not even sending it modulation. So let's let's just really quick let's just modulate. Uh, I'm gonna put the divkit oct into the math channel 2 just to tame it a little bit. I'm going to put that into the spread uh, CVM. And let's put another um, oct LFO into channel 3 to tame that on maths, and then let's put that into uh, the, uh, the twist input. So two LFOs into two of the parameters straight out into uh, a mixer, and it's already really cool. Let's put that set of twists, let's put it in a warp and see what happens. I mean, come on, put that into some reverb. Let's put that into some reverb really quick. Sorry, now I'm just having fun. I'm kind of going a little long on this, but... Uh... So as you can see, this thing's really, really cool. And like I said, we're gonna get to know it in the coming weeks. Um, but I just wanted to introduce you to some of the sounds that it could make. Let's chat with Maddie. off to the races. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> Me too. We've never actually talked, but we've known each I know, other. No, we, we actually have. Wait, no, once. Because I came up running. 
running up, up and I was like, oh, that was amazing. <laughs> and that was the one time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. At, when I did the rescoring of that movie. The Predator. Predator. Yeah. That's yes, right. So yes. that was 2015. It was, yeah. And I think... I think I had just heard of the album Cascadia and I think I recognized you. Like I, I there must have oh. been a there must have been um did Dave Siegel review that album or something or The Stranger? I I, I somehow no, knew about was- it. There was like, I, it hadn't actually been released yet because then I did mine after you, I did the birds after you mm-hmm. and then like the week after the birds, the Cascadia was released. But okay. I'd done this thing where I wrote a piece of music every week for a year and then the stranger that's what, wrote about that's that. That's what so it that was. Yeah. Because I remember, because yeah. that was like the time where I was, uh, it was before I really knew anybody in Seattle in the, the music scene and I was just, you know, avidly looking through the stranger and what Dave Siegel was writing about to find like people like-minded people. And so, and I do remember that. Um, yeah. And then I think, I think something happened. We had like a family emergency and I missed your bird soundtrack. And I I know yeah, you wrote to me about that. And yeah, it was a family thing. Yeah. And then I, and then I left Seattle. I know. I know. It was just like, because <laughs> I spent like three years in Seattle, like trying to look for like-minded people and going, what, what am I going to do? Uh-huh. And then right at the end, it all came together. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> bye. And then you went to New York for a while, right? Yes. And then yes. now you're back yeah, in yeah. Australia. Back in Australia. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to, we're going to get the whole backstory here. Um, <laughs> but it's just so, it's so funny. Like, I feel like I know you. But we've like we've yeah, only really kind of chatted once, but like we've released two albums together, two of your I EPs know. on Self Center Records. Yes. Um, yeah. So we'll get to that. There was some. There was one more thing. Um, and oh, Luna is one of my favorite things I've written. What's, like what's that? Luna, Luna, oh, the one yeah. I, Luna. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I still think that's like, oh, it's. I and I, I love that. I feel like that was a little bit of a sidestep stylistically for you. It seemed a little yes. darker. Yeah, yeah, than, um, yeah. It yeah. Was. Um, but yeah, let's. There was one. That's this is the thing I was just thinking about. I was thinking like, oh. I wish Madeline was around here when all this like when the the electronic scene kind of like b- blew up again just recently, like. You like had so much fun re- like performing at the modular nights and everything. So you have to come back once it's legal. <laughs> once we're legal, I know because we were actually planning on coming back. Oh really? And now that's on hold. Yeah, for a visit that's or were you moving? Yeah, that's right. No, no, no. For a visit. Uh-huh. For a visit. Because I did visit once, um, and I was going to catch up with you, and I got really sick. Yeah, I think your whole family got sick. That's, you, you said like yeah. you guys were all sick in your hotel room or something. It was, it was not good. <laughs> it was not good. But yeah, no, I know what you mean because I actually also have met Tom Butcher before. Completely oh, yeah? aside to you, I've got like mutual friends with Tom, and I know it's like as soon as I left, this amazing electronic scene like emerged, and um, yeah, I'm really bummed not to have been. Well, I, yeah, I hope you can come out for that. <laughs> so I want to talk, let's, let's go, let's go back to early days. Like what, when did you, what, was there any piece of music or any artist like at a young age that kind of, what was the thing that got into your head and said, you want to join the party? Like, I want to be a musician. I was completely obsessed with Mike Oldfield's Tribula Bells, like completely obsessed uh-huh. and then also like anything by Vangelis. so i guess it's all those like 70s 80s electronic artists as a like a, um, like young age like how, how old were you when you're listening to that stuff 
like five and six. Really? Oh yeah, yeah, like really young. Oh my like, god, that is so, I'm so that jealous. That was my. It, it was it, it was really so desperately uncool. I was awful. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> Were your parents into that kind of music? Or? Yes. My, so my mum was into oh. classical music and my dad was into um, just he, – he, even now he just has this like – he just got stuck in this kind of like prog rock. Oh, also like, you know, um, the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, neither of them went into the Beatles, but it was like – so mum likes everything classical. Dad was like Rolling Stones and then all this just like um, – and some of it's quite – like I shouldn't say bad because I don't really believe in – bad music but right. some of it hasn't dated very well uh, yeah but yeah anything <laughs> anything like that I was like super deep oh and Jean-Michel Jure okay so when I was really really young I was listening um to this stuff and it's all like you know whooshy synths yeah amazing stuff um and then I got like you know like probably like a ton of people um I was like oh Philip Glass mm-hmm what's this? And so then he was like, I listened to Philip Glass when I was like really like, yeah, quite, quite little. Uh Um, that I'm like, and I was so jealous of, of, of people like you in that situation because like, I liked such horrible music when I probably up until my mid twenties, I feel like (laughs) not horrible. I feel like, (laughs) I feel like I missed out on, all this like pop culture. So now even now people will be like, oh, this, you know, and I'm like, oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. And I feel like I've missed out on a real, like a, a proper slice of, um, yeah. So, so were you know, kind think, of I mean, like, never... were you like kind of like a, a loner, like kid in school listening to like avant-garde music and like, I'm just like picturing <laughs> I mean, you for some reason with was, like well, long black hair and like overalls and like with like paint all over them. <laughs> No, I was not not cool enough for overalls with paint. <laughs> so I was kind of like, like I wasn't a loner, but I was probably just, I just had my, um, my uncool thing going on and I was just a bit of a lost cause. So people just wouldn't, people wouldn't talk to me about music because <laughs> you don't know the latest Belinda Carlisle song. Right, So yeah. we're not even going <laughs> to... Go there. With <laughs> so where did you grow up? In Brisbane. Okay, all right. So where I am now, where I moved back to, it's been like a big circle. So I grew up in Brisbane, in Queensland, okay, um, Australia, which is kind of um, it's not as big as Sydney as Melbourne and Melbourne, mm-hmm. and it's like it's sort of well, I think it's technically subtropical. So oh. it's yeah, it's very green and. Okay. Um, very sunny. So are you entering fall right now then? We are. We're in fall. Okay. Yeah, we call it autumn. Okay. It's fall. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and it's so weird. I don't like, I know it, it doesn't technically mean anything, but it's actually tomorrow for you. Like I'm on Wednesday and you're on Thursday. Um, I am Thursday. Yeah. I am your future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did you start playing piano as a, like a youngster then? Or... I was yeah. I was about five when I okay. started playing piano. Okay. Yeah. So I was really young. Yeah. Oh, the reason I got into piano was because um I was really super uncoordinated, like super uncoordinated. <laughs> like they, I couldn't catch a ball. Uh-huh. Um, and then there was like some concern about 
is this a, is this something that needs some sort of therapy? And then we, I went to, I, don't, I vaguely remember this, I went to some doctors and they're like, oh no, she's just really super uncoordinated. <laughs> you might want to get her into something that involves some sort of hand-eye coordination. <laughs> so my parents were like, oh, piano seems to involve hand-eye coordination. Well, you lucked out And that's then. why I started. Yeah. I know, I was like, oh, that was a good one. They could have done something. Yeah, who knows what, yeah. Way weirder, mm-hmm. like sport. So do you think maybe get, getting into piano led you into what you liked, like, taste-wise in yes. music? Yes, okay. definitely. Because I think at that point, I then, um, oh, yeah, because I listened to and I started doing piano. So, again, when I was young, like, a lot of Rick Wakeman mm-hmm. um, and Yes. Okay. And also, I think, and it did become, like, very piano-centric. And I guess a lot of Philip Glass stuff is very piano-centric. And, and I did listen to a lot of classical as well, which, and I liked the piano-centric stuff. So I think most definitely. And it's always, like, I, I love the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just always felt like a really nice extension of, like, being able to get my ideas out. Okay. And that's just kind of how it comes out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... I guess I'll, I want to see like the trajectory from there. What's the story from mm. there to like writing, recording, and producing your own music? Mm. Well, for like a really, really, really long time, like in, well into my twenties, it was just me playing the piano, and I didn't record anything except sometimes like a cassette uh-huh. and yeah. And then I started studying music. Um, like I had sort of studied music kind of through and then I did like a a master's program and just because of the master's program I needed to like submit recordings so Mm -hmm. my um supervisor was like why don't you just buy a like it was I think it was Pro Tools at the time like just get Pro Tools and then you can record my stuff and I was like what is this recording stuff like I was in my 20s and I was like what is this that blows my mind to go to yeah wow because you produce all your own stuff right you mix and all you do all this stuff yeah so I do g- all the stuff. I do all the stuff. Like I'm a bit of a control freak. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do my master. I don't do my mastering. Right. Yeah. Um, but yes, absolutely. Like, and so then it was just like a bit of a love affair with like, I just, and also up to that point, it, it had been mostly piano. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, I can do like field recordings. I can have other instruments. It was like amazing. Mm-hmm. And then, then it just kind of like went. Um, exponentially from there. Okay. So that would have been my, yeah. So did you just like get, uh, start, did you get like a MIDI c- controller and start getting into soft synth and then, and then graduate to hard, like, like hardware stuff or? Yeah. Well, I, I, even now I'm not like, I mean, I've got my Nord, which I actually use like my Nord mostly. Uh-huh. Like, um, and it's the Nord stage. Uh, yeah. To start with, I just did, well, I didn't even really do a lot of synth stuff to start with. It was a MIDI controller and Pro Tools. And then when I, then I moved to Seattle and then even there, I didn't really collect a lot of stuff, but I did like a lot more field recordings and, okay. um, and now I've come back. It's kind of, I still don't have like, you know, I, like I've played because I played bass guitar as well I've done like you know a little bit of bass guitar and that Mm -hmm. and um even then I do actually still use quite a lot of um just like sort of plug-in synth stuff okay okay do you need to block your ears for that I don't know if I can say that on this program (laughs) hey I I think it's whatever whatever comes out at the end it doesn't matter it's what it's what comes out at the end I think like yeah because I'm not really like I'm not really uh like I I don't have a lot of gear, I get really bamboozled by it. Yeah. So I kind of run everything pretty streamlined. Okay. 
So wait, let's so, yeah. let's go back a little bit to bass. When did mm. that come into the picture? Oh, probably in my late teens. Okay. I started playing the bass. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I was like playing keyboard in some bands and I was just like, oh, it just doesn't seem that cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, bass seems really cool and I don't have to learn the whole guitar, I just learned the bass. Right. And then so I, yeah. <laughs> the illusion that it's way easier because there's less strings. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Um, so, okay. So you were playing in bands and stuff in high school. I was. Sorry. Yes, I was. Like, um, not like just when I left high school, yes, for years. Re- yeah, for years, actually. Um, I only stopped playing in bands when I moved to Seattle. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And what? Yep. I feel like we're all over the place. But what brought do you? What brought do you Sorry, to Seattle? No. That's my, um, my fault, my, by the way, being all over no, the place. No, probably my fault. <laughs> um, it was <laughs> my boyfriend who became my husband. He got a job. Okay. In Seattle, it was very random. It okay. was very like, and it felt like a real upheaval mm-hmm. of my life at that at that point because I actually had this. So at that point, we were living in Melbourne and um, I had a job that I really loved. I was a music supervisor. So I'd originally done law, but then I I got into music supervision. So my job was, um, yeah, like looking at watching TV shows and deciding, we're helping decide the producers what music should go where and then licensing the music. Okay. And then he got that job and it was, it was really tricky actually. It was a really hard decision to go, well, do I leave everything and just embark on this crazy journey in Seattle, which I ultimately did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, that was like just such a huge turning point for me because when I got to Seattle, I was like, you know what, I'm going to take this time to do what I want to do and I want to write music. And really up to that point, writing music had just been, a, you know, it would fit into whatever else I was doing in life. It wasn't my main um so it was more like a the hobby thing. It was a hobby. Yeah. It was a hobby. And I kept telling people and some people said, Oh, do you want to do it seriously? I'm like, no, it's a hobby. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I don't know why I thought of it like that. And I'm sort of sad that I did, but I, I did. And then I moved to Seattle and I didn't have a job and I didn't really have, like, I didn't know anyone. And I thought, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a proper crack. Mm-hmm. And if I can't do it, I won't do it. But yeah, I did. Like, it was good. So that's when I started writing a piece of music a year, a, a week for a year. That is so cool. Okay, so, and, and, and was it through that piece of music a week, um, was that how you kind of honed in your, your production skills? Is that where you really started taking 100%. that seriously? Okay, that makes sense. Yep, 100%. That's exactly it. So up to then, I, I had been doing recordings, because um, this is through my 20s. So I moved to, well, I moved to Seattle, yeah, in my early 30s. So... For about 10 years, I'd been kind of like, you know, playing uh, bass guitar in bands and then writing music. And I had been writing, you know, some dance um, scores and things like that. But nothing, you know, too adventurous production-wise. Okay. And then when I started that, okay, I'm going to write a piece of music every week for a year. And then every week I set myself different parameters. Otherwise, I would have ended up with a year of piano right. type pieces and I'm like no I can't do that so I check and then yeah really quickly I kind of um delved into the production side and I feel like at the end of that I was like so much more confident yeah about producing and stuff so then yeah that is well I it's, just, I, it sounds like you and I st- kind of started doing our own production and making our own music seriously around the exact same time because I moved to Seattle really yeah because like it was I think I moved to Seattle in 2000, 
2013 or 14. And that's like, it was like the, a couple weeks before that, that I had first recorded my first like EP. Other than that, I was playing guitar and singing in like a pop rock band. And my friend did all the production and I'd like messed around with recording stuff, but I'd never like, I never tried to do like experimental stuff and like, you know, this, the, basically what I do now. And, and it was like almost the exact same time. That's crazy. I'm so <laughs> surprised at that. I thought you'd been doing it like forever. I, I mean, I've been playing music forever, but I, yeah, the production yeah, but- side of it only, geez. Yeah, six years, seven years at the most. Wow. Yeah, that, that's yeah, that's exactly like me. So where did you move to Seattle from? I lived in a town called Ellensburg. Did you ever go to it, – it's like right in the center of Washington State. Um, or oh, okay, right. It's on the east side of the Cascades. I grew up in a town called yeah. Roslyn. I don't you, – you, you, right. if, you if you ever went to the mountains, you probably drove through there. Um, just kind of okay, a small yeah, town. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and I moved to Seattle because I wanted to do something cool with music. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, uh, so this project that cool. you're doing, like, I love, I love that you like you stuck to it, and do you have yeah. like a website devoted to it, if I remember right, or was that just I your did, website? Yeah, I yeah. had. No, it, no, it was um, a blog. Okay, right. Okay, it was a blog, and I was kind of making it up as I went along. So I'd be like talking about music, and then be like, oh, hey, I bought this amazing like jumpsuit. <laughs> Check out my jumpsuit, and then I'll look back to the music and. <laughs> Let's, yeah, well, I want to take a sidestep because the jumpsuits are still very much a thing, right? You've done some pretty cool uh, pandemic uh, shelter-in-place photo shoots. Yeah, I, I, I've been pretty inspired by <laughs> taking out the bins, cleaning my toilet, like, but do it, make it fashion. Yeah, right? That's so funny. Um, so you have two kids, right? I do, yes. Did you? And I had one of them in Seattle. Okay, and the second one was in New York, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, we'll get mm. to that because that's that's I, I I'm still like blown away with how you made SOS, um, like <laughs> so cool. But um, <laughs> so but I want to talk about Cascadia. So yeah, what, just you're doing the blog thing is a year up, and then mm. you're like, my next yes. thing is an album. Is that was that the yeah well the album was actually the year was up and then I look back at what I wrote and I'm like okay I think some of this is worth you know getting together and releasing it properly because you know the blog stuff was just um me writing about it sticking it up on SoundCloud Mm -hmm. and I thought I do want to release an album um so I got the songs that I thought well that I liked the most and that um yeah I thought represented where I was at and then I kind of read like tweak them and then I got um uh Raphael Anton Arasari like Black Knoll to um he, well, he performs under the site below so he did the mastering for it okay and so yeah then I sort of packaged it up and I realized that the whole thing like that it was all about me living in Seattle and the Cascade so uh-huh. that's why I called it Cascadia uh-huh. um, and I guess because I was so young and naive and I was like I'm gonna release it on vinyl <laughs> and I, <laughs> I have it on vinyl I'm glad you did do you, <laughs> yeah. do you yeah I'm really glad I did it but it was like so much mm-hmm. waiting around and you know the manufacturing side of the vinyl and stuff it just takes so you self-released it you didn't do it on a label I did do it on a label okay. I did it on this label called Future Sequence okay. and they sadly they um they're no longer 
around well they're sort of defunct but they released um a whole bunch of amazing stuff okay like i think the album before was um siavish amini i might not be saying his name right but mm. um this amazing iranian um uh, sound designer so yeah i did i i just sort of spammed a bunch of labels oh wow and i was like oh i mean by that stage i'm like you know you just you just gotta do it. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's that's what I did, and that's how I ended up just like starting Self Center was because I wasn't yeah. getting responses, and it was just so much work. Like it is so much work after the album's so done work. to try to get it released. So I'm so like that's so cool. It's this makes your story like that much cooler that you learned how to do this production stuff over a year because you moved to Seattle and yeah. it's like that's your focus, yeah. and then you make this amazing yeah. album, which by the way is one of my favorite albums. Like just ever oh, i love that album thank you um, thank you and and yeah that is it's that's so cool so like you were kind of killing it like in seattle because right up it wasn't long after that you did the birds right yeah that like maybe a couple of years but you know what i in retrospect oh, right. if i pull yeah, out all the right. bit, good bits i'm like oh yeah i was killing it but it didn't feel like it at the at the time yeah like it was like a full year of me sitting in my bedroom because the studio's in was in my bedroom uh-huh. <laughs> going, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> What's the point? No one's listening to it. Cause I mean, it was also a full year of no one listening to anything and mm-hmm. which you don't, I, I mean, I don't write stuff for people to listen to, but it's always nice yeah. that, you know, it's just this nice validation thing. So, but in retrospect, if I can like summarize Seattle, it sounds like amazing and it was amazing, but it was also like a lot of um, self doubt and, like, what am I doing? But I think, by, and like, when I s- sort of sent my album out to um, labels, I knew that I was going to get rejections, but it still makes, it's still really hard. And loads of people just never, ever, ever respond. That's what and you I can found. tell they like, don't listen. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I've had people, you know, you know, ask me, like, how would you do it? Or like, kind of come up to, like, I don't really do so much with self center anymore because the podcast is like so time consuming yeah. and it's, um, uh, but yeah, it's like basically now it just seems like you got to find a friend with a label. <laughs> like, you gotta find a friend with a label. Like, you gotta. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's like my, my, my uncle is like, he's, you know, is in his mid sixties and he's still trying to like mm. crack the code of, of getting his music to music supervisors. And I'm yes. like this, oh. I'm like, good luck, man. Like it's, it's a weird, it's a weird mystic art and it's a lot of time happenstance. And a lot of the time people seem to know each other, but you were in that business. Is that true? Is that more true now? Yeah. Look, and I was in it like it was for only a couple of years and it was in Australia. So I can't speak. I don't know how it works. Um, but yes, absolutely. Like, you know, the thing with music supervisors, well, for me, I'm like, I only know the music that I've been given. Mm-hmm. So, and labels are really good at packaging up. Some labels are really good at packaging up things that are going to be really helpful. Um, and then it's, it's really hard. Like, and if something's too much work, you don't have time yep. yeah. to listen to it. You just don't have time. So it's kind of got to be this absolute perfect mix of having good music, being able to package it in a way that's very easily digestible. And also, this is the absolute kicker, it has to be, for me, it had to be something that was helpful on the project I'm working on right now. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to like, oh, I'll like, share you, you this later. 
Yeah, I mean, I did, and I had this, like, really great, like, in iTunes, I had things really well, um, like, when I got music, I'd sort of make notes um, so I could search. But generally speaking, like, things are really fast-moving, um, and it's like, it, you, you don't know what's going to be, inspir- you know, all of a sudden you need this inspirational thing for someone flying a helicopter and, like, searching for... You don't... No, no one can write for that, you know, you don't... You, can't, you shouldn't write music thinking... <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, but, yeah. I was telling him we were talking about it on the phone the other day, and to him, I'm like, the amount mm. of work that it would take, like, it would have to, if you wanted to do it, it'd have to be your daily existence, five days a week, mm. eight hours a day at least, and you probably mm. still wouldn't get anything. Like you, you know, like, and you have to, yeah, have and, a really thick skin and just go, you know. But the thing is, like these days, I think that, like, with what you did. You can just do it yourself. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing. If you want to, and I think that too, because I, you know, who wouldn't want to have their music synced up to something amazing? It's like, if you want that, you should like create the content and do it yourself. Yeah. And that's what I think it's all about. Totally. Yeah. I will say this though, in hindsight, if you are going to start a label, like save up a couple grand, like have some money to do something with. Because <laughs> it was like, once I started, like I started a digital label, it was kind of like, oh, resources would have been good. <laughs> I kind of just like jumped into it. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Maybe if you researched it, you might not have done it. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you I'm, I'm glad I did. It. I mean, because, you know, we, like, oh, with, yeah, I, I love it. I love that, we, you know, I got to work with you in some capacity. And um, I love all the releases on, on the, the label. They're amazing. They're it's so good, good. There's good stuff there. Um, yeah. I want, so I'm just, I actually want to not leave Cascadia quite yet. So you're, you're recording mm-hmm. that with uh, a Nord stage, and you're doing vocals too. Like, mm-hmm. did, no, no at that stage, I didn't have my Nord stage. That, okay. like, came right at the end. I had, like, a tiny MIDI controller. So that was all plug-in? That's all plug-in synths? That's all soft synths? Yes. You, that is amazing. You did... That's crazy to me. Because it sounds like... <laughs> it sounds so raw and... Like it's 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 simult it's like it's simultaneously beautiful and rugged at the same time. Like like Cascadia. Hang on, hang on. S- sorry, I got it wrong. No, I did have my Nord. Okay. Sorry, okay. like half I did. Yeah, I didn't have my Nord. That was like a bit of a present at the end of my project. But you're right. Yes, when I sort of went and retweaked Cascadia the album. Yes, I did. And yes, I did use the synths in the Nord. Okay, but still, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you sorry. were using yeah. soft synths on it as well. I and, was using soft synths and as well. Did yeah. you like? As far as vocals go, were, are you like a trained mm. vocalist or were you just like, I'm oh going to try God. singing? I'm, yeah, I'm a, like, I'm actually quite a horrible vocalist. Um, so all, <laughs> I no, I am because all the stuff, no, I am because <laughs> all the stuff that I record on vocals, I'm like, okay, whatever. And I just like, I can't believe I'm even saying, why do I offer this information? But I just auto-tune it yeah. <laughs> and put like 90% reverb on. And I'm like, oh, that sounds so angelic. Yeah. I, I don't, you did just, that <laughs> just sounds so beautiful. But like, if you listen to the raw vocal, I just, yeah, I'm not a vocalist. I've never been interested in doing vocals apart from like drunken karaoke. Okay. Um, it's more that I'm like, oh, I think it would be, it's, it would sound nice. And there's so much music that, has vocals that I absolutely love, like Juliana Barwick. Oh my gosh, like I just love her stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I'll give it a crack. 
You, I, and, yeah, it's just it adds so much. It's something that I struggle with because I was like I was a singer in a band, and mm. and my you know I play guitar and sing around campfires. And my wife, you know, my wife's like, "Will you please just sing on a record?" And I'm like, "It just doesn't. I don't feel like I just. I guess I don't feel like maybe I'm not confident enough. I just don't. I truly believe that my the way I sing and the way I write." for singing doesn't fit the kind of music that I make now. Like, I don't, I don't, I think there would be a disconnect there. Um, but that's really interesting, but it does add so much to it. And I've thought like, and I've actually, you know, kind of reflected on what you do and say, well, you can still do it's, I think it's more the lyric part that I'm kind of intimidated by. Cause like once you oh, singing, can, yeah. singing and lyrics can ruin stuff so quickly, but if it's done yeah. rightly, rightly, God, I'm, Trump's our president, <laughs> excuse me. Um, if, if it's done correctly, um, it can add so much. And I feel like you really found that balance of adding the perfect oohs and ahs to really. Yeah, because I'm also, I'm not a lyricist. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, well, there's no point. Like, I actually have a couple of times thought, oh, let me write, write some lyrics. And it's hideous. <laughs> so I'm like... <laughs> I'm not, I'm just not going to do it. And also I love, you know, like bands like Cocteau Twins and stuff where, you know, she just made up. Yeah. And not that Kate Bush makes up words, but sometimes she does, you know, just all those things that kind of like, um, for me, I'm like, yeah, I don't need to have the words. And I found kind of a, um, production style, um, of like lots of reverb, um, often lots of tremolo or chopping it up and stuff. And I'm like, so I just treat it, I, I honestly think of vo- voice as just another, like as, as like a, a synth pad. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, you should maybe think about like how, like productions. Yeah, like, that's not, yeah, maybe I'll look into that. Um, but I think one thing like uh, people on the, who listen to the show have heard me talk about this a couple mm-hmm. times, but it, there's, there are certain artists out there who can, like, I feel like, this might be a little heady or lofty or whatever, but I think like they capture like their, their essence, their creative essence. And like, Mm. you know, like certain things you listen to and you're like, I feel like if I heard something of yours that I'd never heard before, Mm. I would, I could Mm. pinpoint it. And I think part of what Mm. that is, you don't, you don't have vocals on everything. It's, it's kind of sporadic here and there, but Mm. like you said, it is like a pad, but it's because it's you, the timbre of your voice, it is uniquely yours. Mm. And that adds so much to like your your voice as an artist overall. So I think that's mm. just really, really cool. Um, awesome. I also want to talk about, is, did you have anything else about Cascadia before we move on? I feel like I could just sit here and talk about how much I love that album for like <laughs> way too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I really love that album. I love it very much. And it just, yeah, it takes me back. Cause it's, it's just all about, it's, it's just all about, exactly how I felt in Seattle which is it and sounds it. it's it's like it's like I feel like it's it's forlorn and somber but also hopeful yes. it's like yes. it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the third act in a movie where the heroes <laughs> coming out of the swamp and he's you know they've gotten their ass kicked but now they're coming back for vengeance <laughs> <or whatever. laughs> towards the end of Seattle <laughs> at, the, at the start I was just getting my ass beaten yeah <laughs> so I want to talk because we 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 mm. did this a, a very similar thing but I'm sure we approached mm. it very differently so um how we met was through the Northwest Film Forum here in Seattle had a 
a, a concert series called Puget Soundtrack, where they would get a local artist to completely rescore a film of their mm. choosing and then perform it live. Mm. Um, so we both did that. I did Predator. You did The Birds. I just want to know about your process of doing that and how long it took. Because I've, even though I, I wasn't able to make it, I have listened to it many times. And it is like, it's, it's some of my favorite stuff you've done too. I mean, it's so hard. I love all of it. But um, <laughs> I think you did a great job on that. And I'm just like, Thank I want to know like the story behind that. Yeah. It took forever. Yeah. It took forever. Because right in the middle of that, I think... Um, I can't remember when Courtney Sheehan mm -hmm. from Northwest Film Forum contacted me, but it was just before I had my first baby. Oh. And to start with, I was like, oh, yeah, let's get, yeah, I reckon I can get this out, like, in a couple of months. And then um, I had my baby and I was like, oh, hang on, this is like, this, having a baby is like, <laughs> it's a bit of a big deal. <laughs> So then um, she was so great and she's like, you know what, let's, because I think I was supposed to do it about maybe June or something. Mm -hmm. And she's like, let's just put it, put you back. The next one she had available was December. So I did have a really big chunk of time, like uh, um, six or seven months or maybe, yeah, about seven months. So I had a really long t um, chunk of time to do it. And like, I think that for the, for the first little bit, I was just, I, I just, it took a little while to figure out what film I was going to do mm -hmm. because some of the films that I thought, oh, I'll do this, had actually already been done. So, like stuff like Metropolis. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't realise that every, like, you know, Metropolis is done all the time. And then um, there was some, I, I think also I was trying to think of things that were silent films or didn't have music. Um, I think that was a really good move, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I kind of, it was in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, the birds, mm. like, apart from the fact, I absolutely love that movie. I love Hitchcock movies. Mm -hmm. um, they're so amazing and kind of so misogynistic and it's like, oh my yeah. God, they're just so, so intense. Um, but it doesn't actually have a traditional score. Like, or the, it's got the bird sounds and the bird sounds are made from um, synths. They're oh, really? Synthesized. Yeah, like there's some that are field recording, but other ones, they're like made on a, I can't remember what sort of synthesizer it was, but there was an electronic person who wrote the score, but the score is a bird calls and there's no traditional music. And I'm like, bingo. Yeah. I'll, perfect. I'll do that. Um, so, so you were like, I'm, tr I'm also, well, I don't want to jump too far ahead. Um, so yeah, just, I guess. I'm trying to think of where I want to go with like, cause, cause, uh, because we both did the same thing. I'm just so curious. Like I, know. I went like, um, uh, did you just like pull the movie into like, uh, your yes. DAW and just like kind of yes. do it in linearly, linearly, uh, yes. la, 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 la. Yeah. <laughs> whatever that word. I'm yes. I had, so I had like, <laughs> um, so by that said, I've, I've, I work in logic. I've worked in logic for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I literally, uh, I think it was, yeah, the Northwest Film Forum gave me the version of the um the movie that I was going to use because when I when I performed it I had a lot of the music that was already kind of um what part of the movie if that makes sense like I so they actually did it from a USB mm -hmm. that had a lot of the score there because I couldn't do the whole thing live and then I did like a, a big component of it live um 
but it was also yeah synced up to what was already. So you in the took film. the movie that sense? and gave it to them to play with stuff with backing yes. track. I did the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then I, I didn't know how to get the tone right because of the film because I'm like, okay, I want it to be like slightly tongue-in-cheek. Like it can't be an earnest, like a fully earnest rescore because there's no point. Because the other thing is that mo- that movie is perfect without music. It doesn't need mm-hmm. it doesn't need music. Um, so then I th- and so then I wanted to have like yeah like have some synths and like just a little bit of a slightly tongue in cheek, slightly kind of like maybe eighties ish kind of thing. So the first thing I did and it took a really long time is I took the opening the very opening scene like with um, the well the opening credits. Mm-hmm. And I worked on that for a long time and probably three or four iterations until I got kind of what I liked and then that set the the tone for the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I did moves like it was quite linear. But what I did is when I wrote something, I knew I wanted to have like themes come back Mm -hmm. through the movie. Mm -hmm. So I'd write something and then in the end it turns out I probably only wrote maybe about kind of half a dozen pieces that then I could repurpose later on Mm -hmm. and I would have these kind of um these you know when the birds would come they would have their own sort of theme and um so then it ended up being like a jigsaw puzzle where I'd write bits and then I'd go okay where can I use this again later on um so that yeah that's kind of and it all came sort of came together and then I filled in in gaps between then and then there was a lot of there was a lot of um, like noise. I did a lot of noise stuff, you know, when the birds were attacking. Uh-huh. Um, lots of, it was great. I just got, went went nuts. Yeah, went crazy. yeah. That's yeah. so much. But, yeah, it's so much fun. Um, but um, sorry, <laughs> but how on earth did you do Predator? <laughs> <laughs> that is just. I I still talk about it. It blows my mind. Um, I mean, that was the night my wife and I like got together. Um, and I, I credit that performance like pretty strongly to that. Um, I, I often say that was like my peak. Like, I don't think it's getting better after that. Like <laughs> I, I'm so proud of that, but, um, it was very important to me from the beginning that cause, cause what they, what the plan was, what they said people usually did was just mute the movie and then just play over it and with subtitles. Yes. And I was like, yeah. I'm not, I can't do that. That's not going to okay. happen. Um, but we couldn't find, we could not figure out yeah. how to get the music off of the movie. Like, um, and we couldn't find a version without, cause like, I think it was just a little too early. Like later on, like you can find movies stripped to the score. Oh, you can? Yeah, I think, right. yeah, you have to, I think you have to do some digging, but they exist. Um, yeah. But we just couldn't do it. So uh, luckily I was friends with a guy who was working at London Bridge Studio and he... He said, we can, you know, in my off hours, we can redo all the voices. And then a, a guy who worked there, um, who, who was just really into doing sound effects was like, I'll just do all the sound effects. So we, I didn't do any of the sound effects or voices or anything, but I was up there for it. So we got some like local comedians to come in and read the lines verbatim. And we tried to tell them to like, not ham it up too much because it'll just naturally be yeah. funny. It would be, yeah, um, yeah. so yeah, we had it, we had 
we did that. And then, so I didn't really work too hard on all that. And I just, I, I focused on the music. Um, and then we mm. did, we did that exactly what you did. We gave them a version with our new recorded sound effects and voices and all my backing mm. tracks. And then, um, I had the guy who performed with me, Dave, he was the guy who worked at the studio. So he, he brought right. like the water phone and, I forgot what he had. I think he had maybe a guitar and a like a some synth, and I had like a bass drum. That so we were we were doing a lot of percussion and yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it's kind of looking back on it, like I'm honestly like I don't know how I how the hell I pulled that off. Uh, it just kind of everything fell in place. Believable. Like, I just <laughs> yeah, I cannot explain. Like it, you had every single sound effect in there. Like it was just, I mean, it was just crazy to watch it and then realize that you'd done or organized the yeah. sound effect. It was just like, you know, huge explosions mm-hmm. and like, it was amazing. And then you had that, like, um, was it the Mario, uh, oh, the, the Super yeah. Mario Brothers thing when someone like, uh-huh. yeah, that was, like, that was Dave, Dave so cut in good. like that. Yeah. When it did the weird crawl, like when the so guys, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, thank absolutely you so much. Brilliant. Yeah. And like, the saddest was, thing is, so I don't have a co- I don't have an access to a copy of that movie with all of that oh. stuff on it, and all I have for this like soundtrack is the backing track version, which I put up on Bandcamp, but it's missing like yeah. everything that we played. So it's like it's it's one of those things that it was a moment in time mm. and it's gone. Yeah, it's just like I would love to be I able know. to watch it with everything we did, but it's it's gone. And that's so I know. Sad. In <laughs> retrospect, I understand. I'm like, oh, I wish that we had recorded. Yeah. Like, performance i know even like a bit like even if a phone from the back of the house or something i would have been happy with but you know it's also you know it's something that i can look back and you know maybe it's better that i don't get to see it you know maybe it was just it was a special thing for that time you know it was really special it was really amazing it was so much fun and i'm i'm i still am so bummed that i missed missed yours um but so how did the performance go for you did what did what did you bring for your tools for the performance and, and how was that experience? It was, yeah, it was good. So I brought my, um, my Nord and mm-hmm. a microphone, which is kind of basically like mostly my setup anyway. Uh-huh. Um, and it was good. Like I was just really nervous about the, I just get really nervous about, um, you know, like technical problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it went fine. Like it, it was, um, it was really good. And I kind of, I think about halfway through, I really actually started enjoying it because yeah. at first I was just like nervous, but it was fun. And I don't know about you, but I had like the uh, computer or something right next to me. Yeah, that had... we did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was like really helpful. Um, and it was just really good. It was just really nice. And I remember when it finished just thinking, oh, that's just so cool. I've always wanted to do that. It mm-hmm. was so great. But then I guess, yeah, after the performance, I thought that was an incredible amount of work. So that's why I wanted to um, package it up. And I did release, like I self-released the EP because mm-hmm. it was just so much work. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, a, it's crazy. It's crazy how much, like, I look back on it and I'm very glad that I did it. But yeah, the, the payoff is like, well, I guess it is a good payoff. It was a cool experience. But yeah, I, I mean, it's a really months, cool experience. Months of your life. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. How long did it take you? I think um, I did it in September. I'm pretty sure I worked on it th- about three months that summer. Like, and okay, I'm yeah, pretty sure the yeah, first month I did very little. 
Like, I think I was like, yeah. oh, I have three months. And then I was like, oh, shit, I only have two months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and yeah, it, it, like one of the benefits of like it was I had so much like so many people helping me with the, the, the voice actors and all of that. And, and it was mm. like because we did it that way, it allowed for moments in the movie without music. Because that was one thing I was really mm. worried about. I was like, oh, this has to be constant because the movie's going to be on silent. So, like, that, that, I don't think I would have done Predator if I couldn't have, if I wouldn't have found that team of people to help me out because it would have been just kind of cheesy. I think, like, some, like, yeah. a, like, a more, like, not as cheesy action movie, you know, like an action sci fi <laughs> movie. It worked that way, but I don't think it would have been yeah. as fun. Um, yeah. I think having the dialogue in is, if you're going to do, um, a movie like that, yeah. like you need you need the dark. Oh, that's cause right. Cause to start with, I wanted to do actually. Um, is it called Con Air? Yeah, yeah. The Nick yeah, Cage I wanted movie. to do Con Air. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I God. wanted to do that, <laughs> and and have like a like really ambient. <laughs> 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 but then I couldn't find a copy of. I just yeah yeah it's and I think yeah and like you said like because I because there was dialogue in the birds. I didn't have to, it wasn't wall-to-wall music. I didn't want wall-to-wall music. You could have, like, spaces of silence and just, it's like watching a movie. I wanted it to be like watching a movie. Yeah, that was something that was important to me, too. I wanted to make sure that mm. it was, like, actually like a film experience, like a, like a, like a hybrid, you know, because, like, mm. jamming over mm. video is fun, but I didn't want it to be mm. that. Um, yeah. So after that is, was Lun- is Lunar what you did? That was after yes. that. Okay. Yeah, that was after that one. And you're in New York by then, because you so you moved to New York not too much, not too much yeah, time after. Yeah, about a month after. Okay, that's yeah, that's about right. a month after. Okay, yeah. and was that work related as well? Yeah, for um, for Greg, it was work related. He okay. got a transfer there, and I'd always wanted to live in New York, so I was like, um, yeah, pretty excited about that. I mean, you got to live in two awesome American cities, I like know. on both coasts. Like, that's pretty sweet. I know, and I just yeah. Yeah, I'm, I I can't even. I mean, my sister lives in San Francisco, and San Francisco is amazing. But um, I don't know. For me, like Seattle, just really, it just. I don't know. I just love it so much. It's a good place. It's yeah. a beautiful, beautiful city. Yeah, and you, so when you were in New York, were you like in Brooklyn or? You were like no, in Brooklyn. We were in it. Or... We were we were like in on Manhattan. Oh, really? In a tiny, like by the end, it was four of us in a one bedroom apartment. Oh no. Us and our two kids in our one bedroom apartment, but we were right in the thick of it on like, um, we ended up on 86th and 2nd Avenue. Okay. So it was amazing. Like, cause we couldn't, we were thinking, oh, should we go to Brooklyn? And I'm like, well, for the same amount of rent, we could just have an apartment that's half the size. <laughs> so being like right in the middle of like right in the thick of it. And uh-huh. I, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So did you enjoy your New York time? Loved it. Okay. Absolutely loved it. Good. Yep. Good. Um, yep. So what's the story? I know, I mean, I know the story, but can you tell us the story of Lunar? There's like kind of a cool conceit to that. Yeah. So you contacted me and I just, I hadn't been in New York for very long and said, oh, you know, you're looking for um, friends to release some EPs and would I be interested? And I was like, absolutely interested. And it was funny because around that time, um, NASA had released 
this whole kind of suite of sounds that they um, had put like a Creative Commons license to. So they were basically like making all these amazing space sounds available to anyone to do whatever they wanted to. And I'd been thinking in the back of my mind that I would love to do something with that. Um, and so your, your message came at just at a perfect time. And I was oh, like, cool. well, that's it. I'll make an EP and I'm going to use these space sounds. So, so that's what I did. I can't remember how long it took. I don't know if it took. I feel like it was fast. Long. I feel, I yeah, like I feel a like it months. was fast because yeah, I feel like I just kind of got on a roll with it. And, um, cause I, that's right. And I was sending you tracks as I was finishing them as well, which probably I wouldn't do in retrospect because I'm so impatient. Like <laughs> in you the probably same wait way. till you're finished. Like, hey, hey. I just <laughs> sent a couple of my friends like half finished tracks that I'm like, it, like I don't know why I'm sending these. I do yet. that too. I'm so impatient. <laughs> I think I remember Ruby Green going, just finish the track before you send it to Tim. <laughs> just like... <laughs> but yeah, I um that was just so fun and that was yeah, done in my um just my bedroom again and just loved it. So I got all these sounds that really spoke to me and then I kind of sort of grouped them into sounds that I thought would sound good together and that was kind of a little bit of the foundation of each of the individual tracks I kind of like grouped them into different tracks and then um yeah I I I think I for most of them probably created like a bit of a soundscape first with these sounds and noises and I manipulated them a little bit as well and then I just feel like I kind of filled in the rest um, with, yeah, with, with some music and vocals, but it was kind of, it felt like this, it was built from the sounds up. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes sense. Cause I, like I said earlier, it seemed like a little bit of a departure from, from, you know, Cascadia and, and I mean, mm. like there's, there's variation within everything you do. Cause birds is obviously different cause it's, you know, for film, but I felt like this mm. one was hard, like had a harshness that your other stuff didn't yeah. have as much. And I loved that. Yes. It seemed like really like yeah. kind of, there's almost like metal moments on it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that's kind of the, maybe the sounds. That's what I was wondering bit. is that is cause I, I have heard like some of the NASA recordings and they are kind of, some of them are like grainy and, and kind of mm. harsh. So is that like, was that part of what, like, I mean, was the harshness of it kind of was pulling you towards them? Like it was probably just kind of a whole yeah. thing, the romanticism of them being sounds of space too. But Totally the romanticism of being sounds of space. And I was definitely drawn to the harshness. I didn't want anything sounding like too polished. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I think at that stage I was probably experimenting a little bit more as well with um, using my, this synth okay. part of my, gnawed a little bit and I also found um I'm like ooh and I got really into the the pitch bend oh, yeah. function on it and then since then I've been like a little bit obsessed with my pitch bend. But there was like I think like um maybe one of my favorite pieces I've ever written is like Epimetheus and uh-huh. that was on Luna and that's this like big synth kind of like wall of sound thing. Yeah. Um and that I think, but when I listen to that, I'm like, oh, that is so clearly going back to my roots of Vangelis and Jean-Michel, right? That's just like my mm-hmm. six-year-old 
like that's so funny. coming out. That's so funny that it's a six year old. Like, is that the? I feel like there's one that has almost like a square wave tremolo on it that's really fast. Is that? Yeah, really? yeah. I can't remember, but yeah, I, I love I love tremolo. Yeah. And when I use tremolo, I use it really harshly. Me too. Like, I'm like square wave yeah. tremolo. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm the yeah. Same. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Like, yeah. I, I'm like, if I'm gonna do tremolo, I don't do it as a little effect. I'm, and that's what I do with my vocals as well. Like, I'll put tremolo on. Okay. Really harsh. Very yeah. cool. Um, <clears throat> man, I gotta. I want to make sure we get to the the new record. Um, we are 51 minutes. Okay. But there's, we still have to talk <laughs> about SOS. Now, SOS was, SOS. I think, kind of a little bit... I mean, it was a lot softer than um, than uh, Lunar. But that was... Yes. I want, that was an interesting <clears throat> kind of, uh, I guess, story behind that and why you did that. Um, yeah. Well, I like, soon after I moved to New York, I really wanted to um, write for dance. I hadn't written for dance um, very much in Seattle. I did a little bit with... Um, Angelica de, de la Schmette. Um, and then I met this amazing choreographer, um, Valeria Gonzalez, and she has Valetto Dance Company. And I'm, I'm still in touch with her and we're hopefully still collaborating now. But um, she was doing a an album, oh, not an album, she was putting on a, um, like a feature-length performance and um, asked me to score it for her. So it's all about... Um, it's, it's kind of like about rebirth and it, it is like a, much, a very different feel to to Lunar. Mm-hmm. And so I said, yes, I want to do this um, score and it was going amazingly and I would go to the performance, uh, the um, rehearsals and kind of take notes and kind of do a little bit of music on the side there. That's and so then cool. I... Yeah, it's really cool. And I just, I just loved it so much. It was just one of the best processes ever. Um, I just felt like, oh, wow, I'm in New York and I'm going and watching these amazing dances and sitting in this perform- like rehearsal space. Yeah, you and- had like a real like, yeah. like, like a quintessential New York experience, like it living was, in the thick it of it, amazing. scoring for a yeah. dance troupe. Like- <laughs> I know. Well, I, I, I knew that we wouldn't be there long term Mm -hmm. so I was like we have got to make the most of it yeah like I just jumped in right away I'm like I I will be full of regret if I don't make the absolute most of being in New York so I do I like I we weren't there for that long in the end it was like just under three years but I feel like yeah we did it like we're like let's smash it out yeah (laughs) and so you're but now you're you're pregnant with your second child during the writing of this like yes, I was pregnant with with Xanthi during the writing of it, and everything was going fine <laughs> until I had a pregnancy complication, and then I ended up like that. Like, just one day, I had to go to hospital, and I basically, except I got released for a couple of days, I was basically in hospital for five weeks oh my God. without any notice. It was horrible. It was horrible. Um, and so yeah, it was just crazy because I had my other daughter who needed looking after. So we actually got our two sets of amazing parents who were from Australia. They they tag-teamed and they flew out to look after my older daughter, Beatrix. They were amazing. Anyway, I was in hospital in this possible bed, bed-bound, not like, you know, I wasn't really supposed to get out of bed. And I was like, what am I going to do? And then I got this, oh, see if I, oh, this one. <laughs> this tiny, tiny, I like, was, yeah. <laughs> this I, 25 key um, MIDI controller, Greg <laughs> bought it for me. 
I remember, like, I remember you, like, we were communicating about this project, and I remember this yeah. all this happening, and and then seeing you post pictures in a hospital bed <laughs> with your Akai twenty five <laughs> MIDI controller, and I'm just like, that is like, I mean, I mean, I was sad for you, but I was also like, that's the most badass thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Like, you know, the hospital tray that you have, like, your food. I had my laptop and my Akai 25 key keyboard set up. Um, and I was working on, I was working on two projects because I think I was working on SOS and also trying to work on my album Metropolitan at that stage as well. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. But it got me through because I was like, that's the worst thing. You know, it's like, because I'm so anxious normally mm-hmm. anyway yeah. that, you know, I absolutely needed something to focus on and, you know, something just get lost in. And so, <laughs> so had you already started SOS before this and then finished it in the hospital? No, I had, I had started, but this was kind of like midway through the, so I did end up writing the bulk of SOS when I got out of hospital, okay. but I had worked, yeah, I worked on it through hospital and Valeria was like sending me videos of like, cause I couldn't go to the rehearsals anymore, obviously. So uh-huh. she'd send me videos of um, rehearsals and then I'd kind of do a bit of scoring to that. And I'd write to that um, and we'd send email things back and forward. So it was amazing. It was so good. Cause it felt, it made me feel like, you know, I, I still have something that I'm working towards yeah. and um, I don't have to think of. And five weeks, like you're like how lucky to have, I mean, it's weird to use the word lucky when you're in five weeks in hospital, but to have a project and have the equipment to be able to do it. Yes. Oh my God. Cause you could so only lucky. read for yeah. so long or whatever. Like, Oh, and I, yeah, I was like, I read a little bit and I thought oh, I'm just going to just inhale Netflix. And I really didn't, mm-hmm. I just didn't want to, like, um, there were a couple of things I watched and then I just got really antsy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I did a lot of drawing and then I did lots of music and that it just made me feel, it, it was good. Cause at the time I didn't know how long I was going to be in hospital cause my daughter ended up being preemie. Mm-hmm. So I could have been in hospital for up to nine, nine weeks, oh, I think. Geez. but she actually came early, which was really scary, but it all worked out. Yeah, I'm, yeah I was going to say, every, yeah. every, everybody's healthy now and, and fine. Every, right? Everyone's everyone's absolutely healthy and fine. It was really good. The, the only really strange thing is um, when she was a baby, she, she wouldn't roll over. Uh-huh. And then she didn't roll over until she was 13 months old, which for anyone who has a baby, um, some babies come back from the hospital rolling over. Uh-huh. So at 13 months old, that's quite intense. Was, so, was that when you guys decided we, she needed piano lessons? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's been in therapy for six weeks because the doctors had already started freaking about her not rolling over. And then ther- the therapist is like, oh, no, she's just really stubborn. And I'm like, oh, yeah, she's stubborn. But maybe, yeah, maybe we need to get her into some sort of like, maybe just bass guitar, get a strength of bass guitar. Yeah. Are, are your kids into music? It'd be the cool. They are actually quite into music. Actually, this is like one of my proudest mum moments. Seriously. So my she's two and a half, so the, the youngest one. Her dead set favourite song in the world. So we have one of those Alexas that uh-huh. you can shout at and plays really. Her favourite song in the world is Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. Really? That and is so I don't cool. know if I could be prouder. That is so cool. That's such a cool song for a little it's kid to like. It's such a cool song. I know. And then my other one, um, B, her favourite song is Anywhere Is by Enya. <laughs> 
actually love in your yeah, so I'm yeah. also equally proud I'm, and that explains their personality yeah I can't wait to see their their music project like like <laughs> ambient thrash <laughs> Uh, okay, so after SOS, I want to. We have to get to Ithaca, right? But there's some. There's a, a release in between SOS and Ithaca, right? Yes, Met, uh, Metropolitan. Metropolitan. And that one again. I was in New York, and um, that's about the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And I wanted to write an album about that. And so my husband, Greg, he's a a software programmer. So I chose like nine artworks from the Met that I really loved. Like I just went through and I was like, it took me quite a few trips, but I found nine that I really loved. And then he, for each one individually, uh, wrote some software to analyze the image. And then the software spat out either, like mostly it was MIDI. And sometimes it um, produced like a white noise as well. So then he, uh, for each track, I had individual MIDI that had been derived from the picture. And I used that as the basis of writing the pieces. So it was kind of very, very process driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the piece ended up being like my interpretation of the artwork, but it started from um, th- this MIDI that, came out of the software. I love that. I'm seeing a theme to how you approach stuff that, I mean, like that is yeah. like, I don't want to like sidestep from that. Cause that's like such a cool conceit, but I just, I just popped in my head. Like you don't just say, I'm going to make music and express my feelings. Like that's part of it, mm. but you have, there's like a, there's like a conceit to everything that you're doing, you yes. know, like you yes. like, and, and that seems like, like that seems to be your driving inspiration. And, and now that I'm thinking about it, it's like everything that I've ever done that had some sort of like thing, like concept to build around has always been mm. a more rewarding and, and even easier to do in a way creatively. Yeah. Like just right yeah. now I'm I trying think... to just record and write music and I'm having a hard, harder time. I mean, I'm enjoying it, but yeah, I just, I just, I just put all that together. Yeah, and I think parameters are good. Like they're good for me, and I think I knew this because before I moved to Seattle, so going right back, whenever I like wrote music, um, I would just sit down for such a long time and just not know what to do. Mm-hmm. I just would be like, I don't know what to write, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to. Do. So then I found quickly, well, if I set myself some parameters and some structure, then I know how to at least start. So I think that's where it came from. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that is so cool. Mm. So, so mm. You, he makes the software that generates MIDI, and then you that mm. then you plug that into like into like a soft synth logic. and into Logic, and, yeah. and then do you then yeah. kind of rearrange stuff to make it make sense and lock it into a key, or do you use it as inspiration to go off of? Or I used it pretty literally. I mean, the thing was when he was like generating the MIDI, we did have quite a lot of control over that. So when he generated the MIDI, you could say, oh, I want this to be aligned to a particular scale. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like completely random notes. But when it was in Logic, I there were a few that I did rearrange a little bit, but I tried not to because that kind of, I felt like that would be taking back a back a bit of the process. Like this was kind of a fairly honest, mm-hmm. literal interpretation of what the image was. So I was like, no, I'm going to try and make this work. Um, so I did definitely chop things up a lot. 
And there were a lot of instances, for example, like there was one called Riley, about Bridget Riley's um, piece. And it just was a lot of little snippets that um, were layered over each other. And then they'd be like different. I'd make each one different lengths of time. So there's a lot of kind of like phasing and layering oh, and cool. like a lot of uh-huh. depth to it. Yeah. Yeah. So I love, I actually, I'm, again, I don't know if your listeners need to block the ears, but I, I love using MIDI. Yeah. I love MIDI. No, I, I, I don't think anybody, I mean, there might be some purists out there, but I think yeah. it's, it's funny. I almost feel like that, like the, the being compelled to say something like that, like, or, or having to yeah. almost keep like MIDI as your, your, your soft sense as your secret I know. Is, yeah. is, I think that only exists because of a few jerks out there who are okay, like, cause I think, I think most anybody who, if you're just all about the gear, then it's not about the music you know, Mm. then cool. Then Mm. you can be a total gearhead. But I think some of my favorite artists that I've, I've got to talk to the, the, the general theme that I've noticed is the end product is, is how you get there. If you, you know, if you play your drum, like the yesterday I was recording and I was, Mm. I was playing plastic chopsticks on a guitar pedal for like percussion. And I was playing brushes on a pot you know, and I was like, I yeah, I'm like, I, I like the way this sounds. I this is what I want. That. I had this yeah, little I spring, spring reverb tank and I was, yeah. this was my snare. I just That's doubled that, awesome. you know, so it's like, who, who cares <laughs> as long as it sounds cool and who knows? As that, long as it sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all, I'm all about like, just, it's all about like, use your ears, use your ears and you can make, cause you can make anything. These like, these doors are so powerful. You can change Mm-hmm. anything and yeah it's just it's mind-blowing i think you're actually like your music is, a, is an excellent testament to the end product being um you know what it's all about because i think some people like even myself like i can't twist i can't twist the sounds that i want out of a soft synth as easy as i can from a hardware and that's that's my uh, problem yeah. that's not the that's not the soft synth problem that's that's me so i think you know like you found a way to to express yourself and ex- and get your voice mm. out of these things. And that's, I think that's mm. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now we're on to Ithaca. But on to Ithaca. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Is that- Which, that's actually like, it is, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. And actually that's a, it's a really funny progression because we just had this like chat about how everything up to this point had been about me, like creating parameters and you know, what it's going to do. And I basically, I was really sad to leave New York. Like Mm -hmm. there were many tears. Um, it was a really difficult decision, but uh, like all our families are back in Australia and we have two young kids and we sort of make the decision that we should go back to, back to Australia, back to Brisbane. So I'm like really, 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 really sad. And I come back to Australia and I'm really sad. And then for the first time, like in a really long time, I'm just writing music because it makes me feel good and it's not about anything. Mm-hmm. And then that actually ends up what being, like that's what Ithaca is about. So Ithaca is the kind of an album just about how I felt I wrote it all like within well within a year of moving home um, and mostly kind of like it took three or four months we were at my parents place and then we found our own place and then about six months after we moved into our own place I just sat down at night when everyone was like asleep and I just kind of like wrote music and just it just felt so cathartic mm-hmm. and and that's 
That's Ithaca. And I called it Ithaca because um, the neighbourhood I live in at the moment is actually called Paddington, which is very cute. But I'm like, I can't call an album Paddington. <laughs> it sounds like Paddington Bear. Or yeah, I don't... yeah. <laughs> so I don't blame you. Pre- <laughs> I wouldn't have held it against you, but I don't blame Paddington. <laughs> it doesn't sound like Paddington. <laughs> so the previous name for it was Ithaca, and I'm like, that's <laughs> I can work with Ithaca, which is which is actually really funny because it means all my album, not the EPs, but all my albums have just been named after the place I live, like Cascadia or Metropolitan about the mm-hmm. Metropolitan Museum Art, or Ithaca's about this. And yeah, it's absolutely it is just me <laughs> like Letting well, my emotions yeah, out. Yeah, it's hugely and, yeah. effective on you, you know? Like, mm. yeah, where you mm. live, it has a huge toll, I'd mm. imagine. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, 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 I don't know if... I'm trying to find the way to say this, but I feel like Ithaca is almost like Cascadia's, like, sister or something. Like, a, I feel like a sister album. You're the first person to say that and that's exactly how I feel like (laughs) that's exactly how I feel because I feel like they're both albums about finding yourself somewhere that you're not sure that you really did want to be there because it like Cascadia was written early on when I was in Seattle like not Mm -hmm. when I was like loving it um and then it's kind of like, and how do you deal with this? And it's like how to sort of, I don't know, they both feel like they're, I'm not very happy. I'm kind of upset. I'm feeling a bit lost. I'm feeling a bit isolated. But then also I'm like, I know I'm going to make this work mm-hmm. and there's got to be some hope because I'm a very big believer in you just make, you make things work. And once you've made a decision, like you move on with it. But yet to me, like, I think Cascadia and Ithaca are kind of like spirit sisters. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I do feel like that. Yeah. And I think it's like to even kind of dive deeper into this and get more heady about it. I I feel like Mm. Cascadia might be a little more wild sounding because you were kind of in the wild. You were in a new country. Mm. And now this is Mm. kind of a similar vibe, but you're on your home turf. So so it's, it's not as... It doesn't feel as, as frantic, but it, it feels like very like just like, yeah, emotionally it's and tonally it's 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 similar in the best way an album can be similar to another album from the same artist. It's not the same album, yep. but it's like, yeah, it, yep. they were. And it's kind of a cool like I know it's not the last thing you're going to do, but like with everything that you have right now, it's kind of like this cool bookend on stuff. And you can see it this is. arc, you know, yes. It is. Like, I look back and, and all the stuff, and Cascadia is the first thing I ever released, and I was, like, 30, what, 35 when I released it? Like, I was, like, a proper latecomer to all of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's, and I'm like, oh, this is just, I'm, I'm kind of just creating a, a musical diary, really, and um, it, yeah, and it is. It's, like, right now, it's a really, really nice, bookend and I just feel like there were a lot of similar emotions between like moving to Seattle and moving back to Brisbane um and they are totally different albums um but that's really interesting that you picked up on that because 
Well, yeah, I'm I'm yeah. glad that I'm glad that I'm not off because it's always kind of it's no, always kind of hard yeah. saying what you think about somebody's music because it might what you m- may mean as a compliment you know could be kind of like oh that's not what I wanted to hear you know because yeah but yeah but like I think it's always just observation as well because what someone hears and something someone like other people hear different things mm-hmm. so I don't I don't get very precious about if um yeah I don't get precious about what people say yeah um, about. Well, sometimes I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, speaking of what but people no, say, no, that was a really good point. <laughs> um, it seems like you've gotten some really like. I feel like you always manage to get some pretty good press on your stuff, and it feels like this is doing well. And you like you're on a like, you just got on a, a cool like playlist, like an ambient playlist or something. Or very straight, yeah. Like I got on the the Apple pure ambient playlist and i was like number two the second one that so is it's like, so cool i was very excited yeah. i found out yesterday i was like that is so awesome happened? So like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry i gotta i'm deleting something really quick i gotta free up some space because i don't want to lose the recording of this oh i can't minimize this okay um yes and you've got some good write-ups um all well-deserved stuff and i i think what I want to ask about this as far as like your process and everything goes, um, Mm. you finished an album, of course, finishing an album and releasing an album, there's always quite a bit of space in between that. But like when you finish, like right now, are you making music Mm. or are you kind of like you are, it's always, but it's different. It was like, now I'm doing a collaboration with someone I've met. I've just met, um, since I've been, back uh-huh um so yeah but it's in the very early stages okay of, of yeah but i tend to like it if I, when i finish something sorry about that there's a little bit of space but then i start getting a bit antsy again yeah totally i totally get the same what about thing. you do you do you feel that as well well like, the podcast has really shaken things up it's something i've been thinking yeah. about recently of i i started the podcast because i just wanted I worked so hard on music. I wanted people, I wanted more than 30 people to listen to it. And I was like, well, if I can get a podcast that people will listen to, then they'll want to hear my music. And then I just kind of like focused on that and haven't, I mean, I've released an album, but I haven't, I haven't until just the last few weeks, like started working on something that in the same way that I, that Mm. I used to. I love that one that you did on the Nord, the Nord um, lead. uh Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Well, so, I love your write-up on it. Like, so I had to give this in back, so I decided to write. Yeah, well, it was, it was one of those, like, you know how you have good days when you're writing? Yeah. It was, like, yeah. it was just a great day. Good day. Like, everything was just, yeah. like, I had, like, literally just six hours of sitting there making sounds. I'm like, this is cool. I'm going to record a few minutes of that. And then I got home yeah. and kind of a couple of them are, like, like over, like, two of them stacked on top of each other. But most of it's just, like, a stereo recording. And I'm like, I like this. This is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And... I was actually thinking about, it's kind of like a collaborative thing. I have it on Dropbox for anyone to get access to and do with it whatever they want. Um, but it's on self-center as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I just put it, I put it on my, just my regular one. I'll probably put it on self-center. Oh, you bring it right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm working on something now that like, I'm going to just say it right now to everyone out there. Help mm. me put this on my, my mental vision board. Help me will this into existence. <laughs> I want the next thing I do uh, to be on vinyl somehow. And I want, I don't want to have to do it. I want it to be yes. on a, a label that will put it on vinyl. So, yes, yeah, I want to put that out into the universe. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, I will get a copy of that, please. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, we are, let's see, we are, we're probably over time. Yeah, but that's fine. This has been awesome. I'm so happy that we got to finally like hang out because we've been talking for Me five too. years. <laughs> I know. It feels like a proper hangout. I know, too. right? Um, do you, so I do a thing called the patch challenge on the show. Um, and it's usually oh. people with, with modular synths, but I've had people do it on guitar. Mm. You can do it on whatever you want. But basically mm-hmm. what I would do is I'd give you, um, I'd randomly generate an adjective and a noun, and then you would use that as a prompt to create like a three to five minute long piece of music. But the, mm-hmm. the whole trick is the kind of the, cons- uh, the, the challenge aspect of it is you set up an alarm for 15 minutes and whatever is at the end of the 15 minutes, that's the thing. Do you want to okay. try that? So I don't, I don't do it like right this second. No, no, you can. So when we're done yeah. talking, we'll hang up. Yes. You can just kind of record it at your leisure and then send it over with your yep. phone voice. Phone voice. Brilliant. Yeah. So let me, where is my, do I not have my phone? My phone has my patch challenge generator on it. Give me one second. I'll be right back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, it wasn't far away. So, Do I need, to write, I need to write this down, don't I? Or will yeah. you send it to me? Um, yeah, I can send it in the chat here. Um, all right, let me pull this up really quick. Is there, while I'm pulling this up, is there anything mm. that we maybe didn't cover that you wanted to, uh, to put out there? Or, you know, uh, oh, dang it, the recording stopped. Okay, but the meeting's still mm. going. All right, that's okay. I can edit this down. Um, is there anything that you want to say? Like, have we skipped anything? Is there anything? Uh... No, that's it. That feels like really comprehensive. <laughs> I, I feel like I just covered. <laughs> I usually don't go through people's body of work like that, but because like yeah. I was like, because I was, you know, I helped release two of them and was I I kind know. of been with you along this journey. I like, I'm, I know. I genuinely just wanted to talk to you about it. So that's like, yeah, I really wanted to talk to you. Too. <laughs> I think it was so crazy the other day, um, well, last week or whatever. And then you wrote, um, oh, you've got a new piece of music out. And I was like, yeah, did you get the download code? And you hadn't got it yet. And we were just sort of like chatting uh-huh. to each other, kind of like on separate channels. Uh-huh. <laughs> <It was> like... <laughs> so I, I'm going to give you so, yeah. a couple moods to choose from, and then that yep. will help determine what, what the words are. So let's do, yep. let's see. Um, easy, happy, dark, peaceful. Do any of those sound better than the others? Dark? Dark. All right. Let's see what happens. I'm going to generate some words. Those aren't words. <laughs> Morose pigment? We can, we can generate some until you... Morose you, I, pigment. I want, you to get ex- I want you to be excited about it for sure. Okay. So I feel like that's a contender, but let's see what else we can get. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sometimes words come up and I don't. Color darkening. That's kind of mm. glowering leaves. <laughs> uh, dusky tunnels. That sounds like a like a like a blues rock musician like stage. It really name. does. Dusky it tunnels. Does. I like. I feel like <laughs> color darkening is is. This, that's a contender. Oh, let's do color darkening. I like that. I think let's it's, do color, it, I like that too. It, it yep. definitely like is very, uh, is it evocative? Is that the word I'm looking, looking for? I think so. Yes. Yes. Color darkening. Okay. 
Cool. So yeah, you can just tackle that whenever you have time. Um, and Amazing. Can... So three to five minutes, put a 15 minute timer on whatever's there done, send to you. Yeah. But I mean, Brilliant. yeah, if like, you know, I'm not going to be a stickler on, on the time limit. If you're like, <laughs> if I could get like 30 more seconds, well, yeah. That's... <laughs> um, well, this has been so much fun. I'm so happy. So good. So happy to have finally got to do this. And where do people go to, to uh, listen to your music? Or where do you want people to find you? Um, yeah, so I'm on Bandcamp, and the label I've released through is called um, Someone Good, and that's the sister label to Room 40. So if you go to the Room 40 Bandcamp page and you'll find my album, Ithaca, along with a whole bunch of like really amazing albums. Um, yeah, the label's headed up by Lawrence English, who is absolutely phenomenal um sort of sound designer composer cool yeah and then um also oh you well you can get the two on self-center records as well and yes lunar and sos on self-center records and then cascadia what was the label well cascadia it was from future sequence but that i think i don't know if you can get them from get it from future sequence anymore but uh you can get it from 1631 recordings and also i actually have a box of vinyl here for cascadia as well so people are welcome to reach out to me directly if they want me to stick it in the post for them i do have quite a few people down in australia listening so if you are one of those people oh yes then hit up maddie and um yes instagram do you have a musician account or I anything do have a madeline kakolas music Instagram account, um, and I've got a Facebook, Madeline Kukola's music Facebook page. I'm trying to get better on my socials. I really <sighs> suck at them. It's hard. I mean, it's not, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a distraction, but it it's can, yeah, it can be good. Um, it's fun. It's a fun distraction. And now, Color Darkening by Madeline Kukola's.
And that's our show. Thank you so much, Madeline, for coming on. It was so much fun to finally get to talk with you. Um, I really hope that you all enjoyed that conversation. Please go check out all of Maddie's music. You can find it on selfcenterrecords.bandcamp.com. Um, you can find her on uh, just Madeline Kokolis on Bandcamp and iTunes and Spotify. Check out her new record. It is fantastic. Um, also, please check out my short film that I did on the Ensemble Oscillator. It's so ridiculous and stupid and awesome. I'm, I love it. Um, and check out the Ensemble Oscillator itself. It's a very, very cool module. I want to thank Afterlater Audio. Uh, Check out their Heritage line. Needham Woodworks and Eschatonic Modular. And Patchworks Seattle. Don't forget they are doing curbside pickup if you live in Seattle. And they are doing a sale through the end of the month. Thank you 2020 at checkout for 10% off. I think that's about it. Um, I think I'm going to go pick up some trash. Let's pick up some trash. But if you do it, make sure you wear a mask. If you're going to be around people, stay in your own neighborhood. Be safe. But let's clean this place up. Until next week.